Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you're joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we had a big cattle report out from Texas A&M. We'll check in with A&M's co-director of the Agriculture and Food Policy Center, Bart Fisher, to talk about that report that they released for Congress coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, and I'm proud to be a part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, held every April in the town of Canadian, has become one of the top cattle industry events in the country. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll give you an advanced look at what's on the agenda for the 2022 gathering. The recent United Nations Food Systems Summit leads to U.S. coalitions forming to tell the benefits of animal protein on a global basis. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We're going to talk about harvest getting closer. Also, we have been receiving some more moisture here in West Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas A&M Agriculture and Food Policy Center delivered a big report to Congress and the USDA on the current cattle market situation. Center co-director Bart Fisher says the report covers a lot of topics, but it mainly focuses on feedlots, processors, and the fed cattle market. Part of the concern has been when we see these uh, spikes that have happened at these disruptive periods, the concern has been that, well, we don't have a, a robust enough price discovery, and it's because of this formula-based system that we have, is that the underlying price discovery in the open market is not robust enough now because we've transitioned to formula pricing. Fisher says the formula pricing model was developed to reward higher quality cattle, but legislative efforts to mandate a certain percentage of cash trade may not help the situation as much as some think it will. And what we found in this study, and it was, and this is result, you know, the result of a, uh, of the work of a few different authors in this book. One of them in particular found that instead of actually helping prices at the cow calf uh, level, uh, that you know, if you impose a certain amount of cash, that actually leads to less efficiency in the in the system, more transactions costs that are going to get pushed down to the producer. Uh, and in one of those estimates for a particular proposal that's on the table right now in Washington, it could end up uh, impacting negatively impacting cow calf producers to the tune of about sixteen billion dollars over ten years. 
The report also highlights the need for more packing capacity, but Fisher says it's a real balancing act to add capacity without overbuilding while the cow herd is shrinking. This report was requested by the House Agriculture Committee in the previous Congress, which was headed by Colin Peterson of Minnesota as the chairman and Mike Conaway of Texas as the ranking member. Finding good political candidates to represent Texas agriculture can be a challenge, but a recent campaign school set out to do just that. The Texas Farm Bureau held a workshop to help new candidates get elected. Cody Lyon with the American Farm Bureau helped conduct the training. It's important for Texas Farm Bureau, important for others to work with anyone who's elected so that we can start building that relationship with them. What better way than start building that relationship than before they're in office that helps get them to office. This is one of the best campaign schools that's around the country. We help the people learn what to do. Rural areas are important. Rural areas matter because there are a lot of voters, a lot of industry in those rural areas and helping elected officials get elected who understand the impact and benefits and importance of rural areas is important. This campaign school helps people who want to run for office get elected. Lyon says campaign schools like this one in Texas are very important in redistricting years. The Hemphill County Beef Conference up in Canadian has become one of the top cattle events in the country. James Hunt has an advanced look at next year's conference. Texas A&M AgriLife's Hemphill County Beef Conference has become a major event for the cattle business, bringing hundreds of participants to Canadian Texas every April. And even though the 2022 edition is still more than six months away, Extension Agent Andy Holloway has already been getting prepared. I actually start planning the conferences maybe more than 12 months in advance. Holloway says the full lineup of speakers is not yet complete, but one thing the next conference will focus on is helping producers make more money. We're going to really dive deep into some strong issues that are important to profitability. One of those issues, Holloway says, is helping ranchers develop a better understanding of the connection between marketing and genetics. For example, Over the last couple of months, the spread between choice and prime is almost at historic levels. Prime quality carcasses have been from three to $600 more valuable than a high-choice carcass. Well, we've got producers that are producing these calves that are capable of grading USDA Prime. And so one of the things we're going to talk about is retaining ownership and how that can benefit a cow-calf producer. It's all about risk management, and there's good tools and ways to do that where people can go to bed, sleep at night, and not worry about those kind of risks. The 2022 Hemphill County Beef Conference is set for April 26th and 27th in Canadian, and we'll bring you more details as the event gets closer. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The recent United Nations Food Systems Conference raised serious concerns among U.S. agriculture groups. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The recent United Nations Food Systems Summit was designed to set the stage for global food systems transformation by establishing sustainable agriculture and food distribution goals to be achieved by 2030. But according to Cheyenne McIndaver, the U.S. Meat Export Federation's Director of Export Services, 
The summit raised serious concerns among U.S. agricultural organizations that ultimately proved to be a rallying point. The United Nations Food Systems Summit has been an 18-month-plus process, and it's really evolved and ended up being very different than I think a lot of folks in the U.S. ag industry anticipated. A lot of U.S. ag groups started to have some major concerns with some of the initial language because a lot of that verbiage initially had negative connotations and negative focus on animal protein and livestock production. And that's really where we started to see coalitions and groups form in the U.S. to not only tell the entire U.S. ag story, but also to band together and talk about the benefits of animal protein globally. We really saw the protein groups come together and say, this isn't just a conversation about red meat. This is an attack on dairy. This is an attack on poultry and eggs. And that really brought us together to not only promote positive animal protein and livestock messaging coming out of the major producers and exporters around the world, but also really pushed us to focus on what is the total U.S. ag message. We produce so much, and by doing so, we use less resources, we use less land, we use less water, and that has huge sustainability benefits. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is about to get underway in West Texas. Eddie Griffiths has an update from Lubbock. Well, as we get closer to harvest time, starting to see some harvest aids being put out on the cotton crop. Also seeing some corn coming out of the field. Primarily, we've been seeing mostly silage, but some of the uh, field corn starting to come out of the field. See combines running, but going back to cotton, we did have some moisture anywhere from an inch to, to three inches in the area. And that's going to be beneficial as far as getting some of these harvest aids to work on this cotton crop. The uh, long dry spell pretty much stressed out the cotton crop and made it almost impossible to get out there and put any type of harvest aid on it that would work adequately. But now with the moisture, cotton starting to see a little bit of regrowth. That will be difficult in some cases probably to stop that plant from growing, but at least gives you a chance to start opening up bowls and and try to uh, desiccate some of those leaves off of the plant. It will be a later start to the cotton harvest. We usually see some cotton coming out of the field by the first October, definitely by the middle October. But as we near a freeze, which is the average freeze date here in Lubbock around October 30th, that is probably what a lot of producers will be waiting on try to get that killing freeze in the area and get this cotton crop out of the field cotton does look good the dry land crop not much talk about previous years but this year we will have a dry land crop in west texas i'm eddie griffiths texas hunters play a critical role in preventing the spread of cattle fever ticks i'm jessica domel and i'll have that story coming up on texas ag today and feeding performance horses requires a balance of feeding just the right amount of calories. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd weighs in on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. 
But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Feeding performance horses requires a delicate balance. You want them to have enough energy, but you don't want them to get fat. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. We do not want performance horses to become overweight. Horses that are in a normal to lean body condition have a higher power to weight ratio, and this gives them an athletic advantage over heavier horses. Also, Dr. Megan Shepard indicates that heavier horses do not cool off as quickly as lean horses and also can develop insulin resistance and laminitis. Feeding a performance horse usually starts with determining the amount of forage the horse needs, and the target is about 1.5% of the horse's weight on a dry matter basis. For example, a 1,300-pound horse would need 19.5 pounds of hay or grass per day, but you also need to figure the amount of dry matter in the grass or hay. If the percent dry matter is 92%, for example, the horse would need to consume 21.5 pounds of hay due to 2 pounds of water contained in the forage. Lots of horses with continual access to large round bales are eating lots more feed than they should be eating and this is decreasing their performance and increasing health problems. Although most performance horses are fed concentrate rations, in many cases, the hay and grass plus a vitamin mineral supplement may provide sufficient nutrition without concentrates. If concentrates are needed, the lowest level fed should be used to supplement the ration. If hay is fed, ideally the hay would be less than 10% non-structural carbohydrates, and concentrates should be high in fat and low in carbohydrates. Concentrates may be needed when a weight loss program is instituted and the amount of grass and hay fed decreases for weight loss to occur. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas hunters play a critical role in preventing the spread of cattle fever ticks. Jessica Domel tells how in today's wildlife report. The Texas Animal Health Commission is asking hunters for their help this year to prevent the spread of cattle fever ticks in Texas. Dr. Angela Lackey, Assistant Executive Director of Animal Health Programs for the Animal Health Commission, joins us with more. What Texas Animal Health Commission and the USDA are asking of hunters this season is if they are harvesting animals in any of our cattle fever tick eradication zones, so that might be a surveillance area or an infected area, that they call one of our officials so that we can meet up with them and inspect their wildlife that they've harvested for the presence of cattle fever ticks. Portions of Cameron, Hildago, Maverick, Star, Webb, Willisee, and Zapata counties have established cattle fever tick quarantine zones. Animals that should be tested include white-tailed deer, nilgai antelope, black buck, axis deer, and other exotic cervids. 
cattle fever ticks are very uh, specific for cattle. And because Nilgai antelope are also in the Bovidae family, cattle fever ticks also seem to like them as well. But they also will go on our cervids. Down in that area, it's primarily white-tailed deer that people are hunting, but certainly any other deer. In those areas, we would like to have them give us a call so that we can inspect them and just see what types of ticks might be on those animals. Hunters may inadvertently transport cattle fever ticks, which can be detrimental to the Texas and U.S. cattle industries to unaffected areas of the state and the nation on deer and antelope hides. Because of this, Dr. Lackey said that hunters play a critical role in protecting the state. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a nice recovery in the cattle market this week and a big jump in the cotton market. So how did things shake out on Friday? We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a really good week for the cattle market as we wrap things up higher on the live cattle trade Friday. But we did see a pullback on the feeder cattle. But nonetheless, it was a really good week for both live and feeder cattle. Here's how we closed out the markets Friday afternoon. October live cattle up 30 cents, 125.57. The December up 15, 130.25. February live cattle up 15 cents at 134.80. Feeder market was lower. October down 87, 159.47. November feeders down 45 at 161.15. January feeder cattle down 12, closing at 161.12. Cash fed cattle market mostly steady. Most of our cattle here in Texas topping out at 124 to 124 and a quarter. That is steady with the prices we saw the previous week. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Friday. Choice down $1.25 at 284.06. Select up 90, 265.34. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's your glass of iced tea. Sit down with me at my kitchen table. Let's talk to Wayne Geiswhite, Gillespie Livestock, Fredericksburg. Wayne, how was the cattle sale Wednesday? Well, we ended up with 858 hit. Kind of rain shortened, but we'll sure take the rain, Larry. Um, sure changed a lot of people's attitude anyway. I'd call the cow market probably one or two lower. Still sold a lot of good cows in the 60s. Might have hit 70 on a few real fancy or high-yielding kind of cows. I uh, had a little activity on bred cows. Uh, cow market, uh, five fifty weight steers down probably 2 to $4 higher. So some uh, good four-weight steers, so 190 to 202, three weights up to 207 and a half, five weights up to um, you know 170-something, and even like 480-pound calves up into the 180s. Uh, you know, those were the really good ones, but um, 
The heifer mates called in about steady. The better heifers, um, you know, sold some five-weight heifers in the 40s, four-weights in the 50s, three-weights. So didn't have many three-weight heifers. Most of them bring in the 50s, six-weights kind of up to 130. But the market was quite a bit more activity. But you run one in that was a little small-framed or fat or didn't have the quality, well, they were sure taking a beating again today. What are we anticipating for next week? Well, we should have a nice run. I'll kind of rain short this week. Larry, I do want to announce that on the 20th of October, which will be two weeks, we've got 50 really fancy cows coming. There will be mostly four- and five-year-olds with a few sixes. Got really, really good calves on them. Big cows, good cows. Anybody needs some good replacement kind of cows, they'll be here on October the 20th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Wayne. We're at 830-997-4394. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mix. The nearby October was up 40 cents, 90.25. December hogs down 52 at 81.50. Class 3 milk was mixed with the October unchanged 1803 100 weight. November milk up eight cents at eighteen eighty-two. The cotton market saw some profit taking on Friday after a dynamic week, very high volume trade that pushed the market up above a dollar ten. We did close above a dollar ten on the December contract Friday, but nonetheless we did pull back as traders took profits and try to take some positions ahead of next week's USDA World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report. We closed with December cotton down a hundred one points at one ten sixty. March cotton down 82, 107.91. Same story on the corn market, a lower close, harvest pressure, keeping a lid on corn prices through the week. We close with December corn down 3.5 at 5.30.5. March corn down 3.5, 5.39.5. And the wheat market finishing mostly lower on Friday, both hard and soft wheat finishing in negative territory. July Kansas City wheat was down two cents, seven forty-two and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down six and a quarter, seven thirty-eight and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down seven cents, five fifty-nine. November crude oil up a dollar twenty-five, seventy-nine fifty-five a barrel. The financial markets were slightly lower on Friday. The Dow down eight points, thirty-four thousand seven forty-six. The Nasdaq down 74 at 14,579. The S&P down 8, 4,391. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.